Welcome to this special edition of MLEX's weekly podcast. My name is Matthew Newman, and I'm coming to you this week from the world's largest privacy conference, the International Association of Privacy Professionals. I'm MLEX's chief correspondent covering data protection, regulation, AI, and cybersecurity. I'm usually based in Brussels, but today I'm in Washington, D.C. I'm recording this late on Wednesday after a three-day meeting that I've spent in a cavernous conference room in Washington. And joining me is Mike Swift, who is MLEX's chief global digital risk correspondent. Uh, Mike, it's really great to see you in person. It's great to be here. It's been a great three days. I'm, I'm kind of running on fumes right now. I'm feeling a little punch drunk with all the privacy talk, but, but uh, it'll be fun to, to hash over what we've gone through the last three days. Well, let's just start off right away and, and, and go into some of the uh, highlights. Um, what did you think the um, biggest thing, biggest takeaway it was this week? Well, you know, it's funny. Like at one point in the conference, I did a, a search on our website and I hit on a story that I wrote the first time I covered one of these, which was eight years ago. And I, it just took me back. It was like this tiny little conference with, you know, a couple hundred people in this sort of seedy hotel lobby. And this week there were about 4,500 people here. It was their largest ever paid attendance. Um, the IAPP said it's grown from 50,000 members just three years ago to almost 75,000. Just over, so they've basically grown by 50% in three years. And it gives you a sense of how big privacy is becoming. Um, my feet are so sore right now from walking around this giant, you know, warren of this rabbit hutch we've been in underground for the last three days. But it's just amazing how big this whole thing is. And I think that's kind of one of my big takeaways, you know, how the world of privacy is just growing. You can see it. And let's be honest that it's a big business. So <laughs> uh, we, we also had to endure some of the... Uh, the wares and services that were for sale, and also a lot of hype, if, uh, if I can be uh, so bold as to say. Um, we did have some heavy hitters come to see us. So um, what we started out on Monday with the heaviest of uh, hitters from a privacy point of view, and that was uh, Lena Khan. So right. tell me a little bit about her speech. Yeah, so this was a big thing. Everybody was looking forward to this because Lena Khan, the chair of the U.S. Federal Trade Commission, is very much known as an antitrust person. And this was billed as her really first speech that had a privacy-only focus. And, you know, it was, it was pretty interesting, I'd say. I mean, it, it wasn't world-blowing. Um, she said some interesting things that uh, the FTC is going to continue to be aggressive in how it seeks remedies. It's going to be, be creative. It's going to do things like force people to destroy algorithms and data that they've acquired through ill-gotten means. And that was interesting. It was a good start, but uh, it, it, it wasn't world-blowing. It, it didn't, didn't, it didn't blow our minds. No, yeah. no. But on, on the next day, we did have a keynote from uh, Apple's CEO, Tim Cook. So we did. I was, uh, I went to, an, one of the first things I covered in terms of data protection was Tim Cook's speech uh, in Brussels, right. also at a, a big IAPP right. event. Uh, he's back. He flew all the way from California. Um, Apple has been trying to position itself as a very privacy-friendly company. It's had a massive fight over uh, with Epic against regulation. Um, what did he tell us that might have been a bit new or different? Well, I think this kind of goes back to talking about the ideals of privacy, but also the hype. 
Obviously, Cook is willing to get on a plane to fly across the country. Why is he willing to do that? You know, he was kind of making the point that, you know, privacy is, is um, you know, central to the iPhone uh, ecosystem. But it's also, in their view, uh, what sets them apart from Google. And he was um, inveighing against the uh, evils of sideloading, which uh, regulators in Europe, as Matthew well knows, and, and in the U.S. are threatening to force down Apple's throat. And really, uh, it was kind of interesting to me that he really, uh, at the end of his speech, tried to enlist the privacy community to say, look, antitrust regulators are devaluing privacy because they're forcing us to do this in the name of competition. And you guys should push back on that because, you know, it shouldn't be uh, antitrust over overriding privacy. And I, I, I don't know, what did you think of his there's, speech? There's a lot of tension there between privacy and competition law. Yeah. We see that in the investigation against Google, for instance, uh, in, the, in the UK. The, the CMA is investigating Google's new privacy sandbox, and that's where uh, Google has tried um, to completely redo the way it gets consent for cookies mm -hmm. and to uh, ban third-party cookies. Um, the CMA doesn't see it that same way, and they look at it as a, a way of Google getting even more control right. over, over data. So that's a competition authority going after Google, uh, and th this, is, this has been repeated a lot, I think. Yep. Um, privacy is not just for privacy advocates, uh, NGOs, it's also for competition law. What I thought was really interesting was the, um, the closing speech today. So a company um, that was in the, in the uh, crosshairs of competition authorities for many years, and that's Microsoft, right. they are trying to, and some could say successfully, rebrand their whole company as being in favor of regulation. Right. So what on earth uh, is a company like Microsoft or any company saying, we need regulation, why would they do that? Uh, and it's quite simple. It's because companies don't like uncertainty. Yep. And so Brad Smith has been advocating for years to have federal privacy law. He came here. He said it again. I have to say he was really preaching to the converted. <laughs> no, no, one in, no one here is going to say, no, we don't need privacy law. Um, there but, was some polite applause. Yeah, there was. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but on, on top of that, you had Brad Smith was uh, gave a, a very convincing argument that the U.S. is woefully behind. Yep. Um, if you look around the globe, um, we have 170 jurisdictions with some sort of privacy law. It's really uh, quite shocking that the United States is the complete outlier on that. And so we wrote a story on how the U.S. is hopefully moving in that direction. Uh, and that's one of the things that's quite interesting about being here is that it's not just the panels, it's not just the you know, lawyers and officials talking about things in, a, in an official capacity, but we do get to rub shoulders with some of the officials uh, outside the conference rooms. And, and Mike, did you pick up something about pending privacy law in the uh, Well, States? one of the hot rumors, which is going around the conference, and uh, obviously we'll be running this down at MLEX in, in the next few days, is... Um, the long dormant attempt to pass a U.S. privacy law that Matthew was just explaining, it, there's some rumors that there may be some progress there, that um, one of the big sticking points has been, do we allow uh, class action attorneys to file private lawsuits for privacy violations? And 
That's something the Democrats really want, the Republicans really do not want, and it sounds like there might be at least discussion of a potential compromise where they would put limits around what sorts of things you could file a lawsuit over in exchange for uh, limiting companies' ability to force arbitration to settle suits. And um, we, um, in all honesty, as we're, we're making this recording right now, um, we need to do a little more investigation to, to know. But we're hearing this from multiple sources and from different places, and that makes us think, well, maybe there's some truth to this. So yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, as one person uh, said, it's the hot topic for the last 23 years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I heard that person speak at a conference last week and say the same lines. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's a apropos. perennial. It's, 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 an old, it's an old chestnut. But going back to the, the kind of the substance of this week, um, what I spent my time on a lot was the hot topic of international data transfers, and in particular, the big news last month that uh, the United States and the European Union have finally, after 18 months of negotiations, uh, agreed in principle on a successor to the privacy shield. A lot of people at this conference were deeply, deeply interested in this. And, and it's quite simple because the, 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 the crowd here, their chief data protection officers, they are literally in charge of writing contracts, uh, making sure that their data flows uh, are unimpeded between Europe and the United States. And this has been a huge thorn in their sides. So they all want to know what's happening with the privacy shield and whether or not it's going to actually happen. So Didier Reinders, who wasn't here, unfortunately, uh, he's the EU Justice Chief, uh, but he did at least spell out a little bit of the time frame and the, um, the process. We all love process stories. Um, <laughs> so he said... Um, yeah, look, we have um, a couple of steps to go through, um, and, and we all hope this is going to be wrapped up by the, the end of the year. So there's you know, a process of taking the declaration from the President of the United States, Joe Biden, and Ursula von der Leyen, President of the European Commission, and turning that into something that is workable. One, one story that we wrote, which I think was quite interesting uh, for, for lawyers following this, is uh, Chris Hoff, who's the chief uh, negotiator. He said that um, the executive order that's going to be enacted by um, President Biden, um, hopefully in the next six weeks, seven weeks, timing is really unclear. But once that happens, the lawyers uh, sitting in the audience were, were relieved, relieved to hear that they can start adding that to their data transfer impact assessments. And so that's important for them because it's, it's a level of um, indemnity in, in the sense that they can show that, well, look, we are doing the, the, the utmost in protecting people's data, and we have this executive order that we can rely on. And so that's good news for everyone sitting in the audience. Uh, Google, uh, Facebook, Meta, they're all thrilled with this. Uh, but, it, but also small companies. You know, th this is a real problem for a lot of companies, and so they're happy. So do you think the um, EU-US agreement will pave the way for other data flow agreements, like such as between the US and the UK? Well, that's one of the things that we're looking at, because the UK, uh, I don't know, need, need to remind our listeners, but they are no longer part of the EU. Uh, so that means that they're free to have their own data protection agreements with other countries. 
Um, this process has been a bit slow. Um, the, they have some high-profile uh, goals, and one of them is to have a data protection agreement with the U.S. And that, uh, you know, the, the official who we quoted, uh, he was pretty optimistic that what's happening with the European Union will have a direct impact on the U.K.'s relationship. Um, so that's good news for the U.K., uh, and then he went on to say this is also beneficial for other uh, negotiations like with the Dubai Finance Center and Switzerland and other jurisdictions that we, we may not think of as, as necessarily high profile, but certainly important for the UK. And they want to make sure that their companies are not at, at all disadvantaged by being outside of, of, of the EU. And they have the flexibility to have these agreements. Yeah. yeah. So what other highlights were, were uh, in the conference for you? Well, I think that the, the whole thing uh, that, that really struck me was how engaged people were uh, with all sorts of um, cyber questions, uh, questions about um, getting, getting the, the nuts and bolts of data protection, where you, you look at uh, like the, the panels that I went to, they try to describe what, what does it mean uh, in, in today's age to, to worry about data protection. And uh, we covered uh, stories dealing with um, data from cars, mm -hmm. um, that's connected cars. Um, I think this is a, it's, a, it's a huge, huge issue, and frankly, a big money spinner. Yeah. Um, you yep. know that this is sort of getting to the you know, monetization side of, of IAPP. People are are fascinated with uh, risk, so uh, they wanted to know more about this this privacy shield. So I went to a panel with a. They, they sort of waxed and waned and tried to you know, read, read some of the tea leaves about what's going to happen. Um, but honestly, I think, think people, the, the mood here was, was pretty optimistic that um, you know, privacy is, is more and more mainstream in companies. Um, mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not seen as a, some sort of you know, side issue. It's, it's definitely part of the way companies think. Yep. And another thing that struck me was the interest in global issues, frankly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think that uh, you know, we were just talking about privacy shield, but that's just, you know, kind of a tip of the iceberg. People want to know what's happening in Brazil, for instance. Well, on that topic, one of my favorite sessions was one I did this morning on the Brazilian privacy law, the LGPD. I won't try and say, pronounce that in Portuguese, but this was the first time that the IAPP had actually done a session only on Brazil's law, and it was really kind of great. It was at 8 o'clock in the morning, so the Brazilians who all said they had been partying last night <laughs> were kind of a little groggy-eyed, but they, they it, it was really kind of cool because they were all like really kind of thrilled to be there and excited, and uh, Miriam Wimmer, who is the uh, chief of the ANPD, which is the, uh, the Data Protection Authority of Brazil, was there, even though she wasn't on the panel, she just wanted to show up just to so show support. Somebody stood up and said, I just want to say how proud I am, you know, that we have this data protection law and, you know, that they were part of this sort of global movement of privacy. And, and uh, it was really kind of a cool vibe there. Um, um, and they, thank God it was all in English so I could understand <laughs> what was going on. I mean, that sort of touches on the point of what a global conversation this is about privacy. And, and uh, it was really a highlight for me to go to that. I, I felt that as well, and I also felt like there were the number of uh, foreign delegates uh, I heard, you know, you know, Spanish, I heard mm -hmm. 
German. German. I heard some German. Yeah, German, and and, and just in, in the um, ICO, the Information Commissioner's Office from the UK had seven people here, yep. just as a testament to to show you how important the the conference has become. Yeah. So overall, I would say, Mike, this is um, a, a, a certainly a conference that's grown. Uh, the subject has grown, and people are just fascinated by yeah. um, the privacy world. Yeah. It's no longer for your so-called privacy geeks. It's I gone, know. It's gone mainstream. Like our families care about privacy now. Yeah, exactly. Cool? They ask us like, <laughs> yo, with these cookie banners, dad, do something about it. Like, oh, <laughs> I, there's only so much I can do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only other thing I would add is like, and Matthew and I were talking about this, so that, you know, we've been doing this for a while and you would have thought that, you know, the, the internet's not like a new thing anymore. And yet there's still so much uncertainty about data transfers and, you know, the collision between antitrust and privacy and what that's going to lead to. And you really felt that, I thought, you know, that, that it wasn't a sense like this is a finished product and we're just putting the finishing touches. There's so much, so much of the story still to happen in the future. And, and, uh, I guess that's why you pay lawyers, right? So. But it's also why you have MLEX to tell you what's going to happen. There you happen. go. There so, you go. And it's a pleasure to um, be reporting live from this conference. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, thanks, Matthew. Mike Swift is MLEX's chief global digital risk correspondent. He's usually based in San Francisco. But today he was joining me in Washington, D.C., where he's been covering the IAPP conference. And just a reminder that we will be producing a special report bringing together all our reporting from the conference over the past three days. You'll be able to find it at the MLEX website. That's mlexmarketinsight.com. And it's at the right price. It's free for you to download. From me, Matthew Newman, and everyone here at MLEX and LexisNexis, thanks very much for listening. We'll be back in your feed next week with the regular podcast. Thanks for your company. Bye for now.